You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see that. Here's Johnny. It's a lie. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam! Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch! It's one of the most deadly substances the Earth has ever known. So what do you see? You come some friggin' flack! Cinematic Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, or crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Welcome to The Rock. But welcome to Bayhem. Bayhem. <laughs> and Glenn Grading. What do you say we cut the chit-chat? A-hole. <laughs> nice. And in a first for Cinematic Leap, in an exciting time, we've talked about this for a while, we've finally got a guest, a man with a sultry voice and a face for radio, Wayne Reynolds. Welcome. Got my first chemistry set when I was seven. Blew my eyebrows right off. We never saw the cat again, and I've been into it ever since. <laughs> nice. How are we all, gentlemen? Good. Splendid. Just, uh, yeah. Not too bad. Come off the rock. Mm. Watching it. Better day than usual where I'm reading philosophy and avoiding gang rape. I guess maybe I've just lost my sexual kind of, uh, sexual attraction, whatever the word <laughs> Well, Claire, that was perfectly timed, buddy. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I wasn't realise we were sharing so much on this uh, pod, Glenn, but uh, good work. Oh, wow. Oh, that was yeah. a great. I mean, I reckon. It was a great line. It was a great line. I think when Sean Connery actually said Lost that his line, sexual appeal. Um, <laughs> no, he probably actually his sexual appeal had like shot back up, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> I don't know, like you know, when was the last time he was listed as like you know? I mean, obviously not lately, but um, you know, the world sixties man. Well, I think it was around that probably, time, wasn't it? Wasn't he? Mm, it was around ninety six or something. Someone should like research that. Because so, um, he had a couple of movies around here, didn't he? He had The Rock, and then he had Entrapment, which was a. He's been working in the industry for a while. Yeah, he's done all right. So, but yes, we've uh, we've talked about having a guest on for quite a while. Um, we've talked about it in both of our season reviews of recent times. So it's nice to finally have someone uh, want to join us. And, and our first guest is, of course, Wayne Reynolds, who's a man we've known for a lot of years. A uh, good friend of ours um, and a fan of the pod. Well, he keeps telling me he is. Whether he is, I'm not <laughs> sure. But yeah, he tells me he is. He's always been a nice man like that. So <laughs> welcome, Wayne. Thank you for... For being our first guest. And thank you very much for having me. I'm overjoyed to be part of the pod. It's very exciting, actually, because all the feedback I've ever heard about our podcast is three white middle-aged guys is great, but can we have a fourth one? <laughs> fourth one. To, yeah. to, to telling us about movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you guys mm. get some diversity? <laughs> get to, you want to get another one in. <laughs> Can't yeah. have too much yeah. of a good thing. <laughs> so this no. is true. That's right. I'm sure there'll be more guests. We that, will. We'll expand know. out. So yeah. Now, Wayne, just quickly, sure just to find out a little bit about you. Uh-huh. Uh, favorite type of movie? Obviously, this is a movie podcast. So yeah, it's, um, if you have a look through my movie collection, you'd probably be convinced that ten or eleven people live in this house. But it's it's just me, and I have a wide variety of tastes. 
But if I had to pick one, I would probably say character-driven dramas with uh, extra points for historical sort of based movies, I would say. You know, as a scientist, I didn't actually expect that really? for you, Wayne. You disappointed oh, okay. me. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> I think it's probably about the best answer we've ever had on this on this whole thing. But anyway, that's... Uh... So now we do have diversity. You know, you've got Glenn's weird indie films, sci-fi, Scotty with his action, and now character... I mean, I'm, I'm all over Marvel and DCU, so, you know, it's that's... that's ah. I've watched them, but, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say they're my favourite genre. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. They're popcorn movies. You know, Scott hasn't watched... Scott hasn't watched it. I do know really. that. No. I'll watch, yeah, I'll watch the couple. Probably because we constantly no, bring it up. I'm not a big Marvel fan. There's too many. It's- I think if this group went through the movies they hadn't watched, I think it would probably sort of look badly on the fact that you guys are doing a movie pod. I've <laughs> <laughs> well, never watched the Marvel. <laughs> Marvel or DC. Oh. I have. Yeah. I watched a lot. Well, I mean, we well, haven't actually watched done the Godfather either, either, so you're probably right. <laughs> this is true. I'd never seen or The credentials are just going through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn only just watched Jaws the other week. So, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very exciting thing. <clears throat> on, on a note, um, uh, Connery was uh, crowned in 18, oh, 1989, yeah. uh, the oldest star to claim the title of, um, at the age of 59, the world's sixties man. Hmm. So that's because I'm not that old yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Wayno, top five movies. Right, um, top five: Gangs of New York, The Departed, mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men. Oh, won't be Michael won't be happy. Tombstone <laughs> and The Batman. The, the Batman. Batman. Hang on, the recent yes, Batman. The Batman was like yeah, oh, because I am Batman. a big bat nerd. And mm-hmm. I have waited many, many years for them to get the right mix that reflected the comics, particularly the Frank Miller comics. And I can see mm. the way they did it in the Batman. I can see that Batman becoming the Batman in Frank Miller's comics, where he's, a, he's an older man. An older Batman. Mm, the, the Batman of your the dreams. The problem with um, DCU that I've found is that they don't do their movies dark like the comics. Um, it's it's hard mm. to get that on film. And well, it depends if you. Yeah, I mean, it's because it gets too dark. You can't well, actually see it, which is pretty close. I'm sort of speaking figuratively, even more than anything else. But ah, <laughs> oh, of course, you're talking about like tone and and yeah, mood and like, yeah, you know, yeah. You read like the comics and you're like, wow, this is this is really really dark, but that. Mm. Never comes. Well, if you watch the films and you're just going, "Fuck, I can't see this. This is really, really dark." <laughs> Isn't that the entire last <laughs> season of Game of Thrones? Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. much. <laughs> Wait, I'm starting to think he might be overqualified for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, or just the right person. All right. So this week, uh, and this was the movie you chose, Wayne, which we'll get into in a second. <laughs> the we are doing the movie The Rock, which was a 1996 action thriller film. It was directed by Michael Bay, stars Sean Connery, Nick Cage, our spirit animal, and Ed Harris. Co-stars Michael Bean, William Forsyth, David Morse, John Spencer, John C. McGinley, and Claire Filani. Oh, that's a stretch. <laughs> well, she turned up for a little bit. She was in what, one scene? Two scenes. Yeah. But, I mean, I, 
you know, this just yeah, heads up. This film did not pass the Bechdel test at all. No, no, there's there's what, <laughs> nothing but testosterone in this film. Two token women, and that's probably about it. Yeah, and they don't talk to each other, and they, you know, there's no conversations about like you know, um, you know, anything other than men. So yeah, standard classic nineties <laughs> film. Uh, the standard classic Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> this had a budget of seventy-five million, made three hundred thirty-five point six million. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has an average rating of sixty-seven percent, with an audience score of eighty-five percent. With critic critics' consensus reading for visceral sc- uh, thrills, it can't be beat. Just don't expect to engage your brain. It's a bit harsh. Uh, Metacritic <laughs> had an average rating of fifty-eight out of a hundred, which was a critic score, but the user rating of eight point six out of ten. IMDb has a rating of 7.4 out of 10. Uh, Roger Ebert gave this film three and a half stars out of four, praising it first-rate slam-bang action thriller with a lot of style and no little humour. Overall, it had mixed reviews, though, uh, but it was a box office success, as um, we saw. This was actually nominated for an Academy Award. No. Interesting. Is it for Nick Cage and his actor? Yeah. Yep. I think it was Nick Cage, best actor. No, it was for best sound. But somehow missed out mm. on the English to missed out to the English patient, which I haven't seen. What? Oh my god, that was a long drawn out film. See, I've seen that. Did it sound so, good, Wayne? Just you know, character. Oh, no, <laughs> I mean I was too busy like sleeping through it, <laughs> metaphorically and figuratively. Like you know, there's God, that movie was boring. Anyway, we move. Oh, on. it's an Oscar movie. That's what happens. Uh, so the <laughs> leaper this week was actually chosen by us. So we do like to start. Uh, with the Nick Cage film, so I mm-hmm. threw that out to Wayne uh, and said, "Wayne, which one? What do you want to watch?" Um, and what did you tell us, Wayne? I said The Rock for the reason that mm-hmm. I haven't watched it, I hadn't seen it, huh. and I think what? that's as good a reason to watch a movie as any if you hadn't seen yes. it. Well, yeah, that's true. Yep, so, we're not <laughs> certainly not disappointed. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, what were our thoughts when Wayne had picked The Rock? I oh, know I was happy. Solid Nick Cage film. Yeah, I mean, you know, Nick Cage in his Nick Cage-iness. Mm. What more could you want? Well, it's, it's – I mean, look, we probably can discuss it now. But so Nick Cage, right? So he's just come off the Oscar. He's – he's. I mean, his career's probably at the highest possible point. Yeah. What Oscar has he just won? He won it for Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas, if uh, memory serves. Um, so, and then he decides after winning that, when he's at the height of his powers, he he basically goes The Rock, uh, Con Air, and Face Off. So he basically says, "Well, I've done I've done really well with this, you know, acting, and you know, hit the peak of a thing. Now I'm just going to make a shit ton of money." And basically, that's what he did. But it- and made some really cool like films. A, yeah, I mean, I think what like the the type of films ever held Nick Cage back. Like you know, a lot of people kind of like you know go, oh, you've got this kind of shitty thing. You've got that big blockbuster. You know, there's always that rumor that like you know he must be dead or like he owes money to the tax. And maybe he does. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but I guess like you know, as an artist, it's never kind of bothered him. Like he's just kind of oh yeah, I'll do it. Um, he's got like you know a few horrors recently under his belt, which I haven't seen yet. I'd love to kind of check those out at some point. Um, you know, we saw recently the uh, the unbearable um, weight of massive talent. If you haven't seen that, that's a bit fun. Um, but he's a—I don't think he's ever let kind of what the type of movie is holding back. 
Like, you know, yeah, sure, he makes some money, but he's, I think he's just a, generally an artist. Yeah. It's like, stuff it, let's make some stuff. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, if you look at his filmography, he's made a lot of really different films. Um, hmm. Obviously, yeah, yeah, Leaving Las Vegas, which is probably one of the most depressing films you'll ever see in your life. He's done things like Adaptation and um, those sort of, I guess, probably heavier films. And then he's done The Rock, Con Air, Gone in 60 Seconds, National Treasure, did the Ghost, the Ghost Rider films, which I think was a pretty big fail. But, yeah, he certainly had a hand in everything. So, um, hmm. there was, yeah, just stacks of films. Um, and there was like, there was another one in that 90s time that was like, they were kind of more indie. What was it? Um, oh, I can't remember. Ooh, Snake I was, was just glad yeah, that, Snake um, was um, it didn't really matter what, what Nick Cage movie got picked because it was Nick Cage. So I'm sure it would have been a good one. Raising Arizona would have been mm. um, a good pick too. That was it. Raising Arizona. Yeah. Um, be the first one. Yeah, that was much earlier, I think. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, just a prolific actor, like, and, you know, not genre-defined, I mean, which is nice. Like, you know, you don't necessarily, you've got, like, um, I think Sylvester Stallone recently kind of came out and said, like, you know, yeah, I'm the, I'm the last of the, you know, the action heroes from the 80s. I mean, forget Slice of Stallone is still working. Oh, no, no, not the other guy. Arnie, Arnie's still working there, Sly, but, um, yeah. So, like, but Sylvester Stallone is genre kind of boxed, whereas Nick Cage, he's just footloose of fantasy. Just a side right? note. Sylvester Stallone saying he's the last action hero from the 90s. Isn't he in a series of 80s. movies that is basically littered with action heroes from the 80s? Yeah, yeah the Expendables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think all of those have fallen off the perch now. It's really only him yeah. uh, that's no, left. There's another one. I don't know if Arnie's in it. Um, yeah. Ooh. Bruce Willis was just as a side character. He's but Dolphin. I mean, well, he's not acting. Uh, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, hmm. I mean, the Expendables Four is coming out. Dolph is in it. Very yeah, good. a lot of newer ones though. Jason Statham's in it, but there's a lot of newer, younger ones in it this yeah. time. I think. I guess mm. they need someone to do the heavier lifting because old slides. What are you? Be seventy? Yeah, I don't. Um, seventy-seven. Jeez, they still are. still doing. <laughs> no, he's not as crazy. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, without further ado, uh, Michael, play the trailer. Rookie dookie. The following is a state secret, gentlemen. Disclose it to any party and you will be subject to prosecution. His name is John Mason. British national incarcerated on Alcatraz in 1962, escaped in 63. There's no identity in the United States or Great Britain. He does not exist. Secrets have a way of coming back to haunt you. There's a hostage situation on Alcatraz. Hostage, 81 tourist. The Rock's a tourist attraction. The one you train to defend you becomes your greatest threat. A battery of VX gas rockets is presently deployed to deliver a highly lethal strike on the population of the San Francisco Bay Area. And the one you abandon becomes your only hope. You go talk to him. Me? Yeah. Hiya. I'm an agent with the uh, FBI. I'm Stanley Goodsby. But of course you are. At least he got his name right. Now, all 
that stands between a city and a disaster. The power of this chemical is way beyond anything you can imagine. That's why you're coming with us. Is a man who's never seen combat. You're a chemical freak. <laughs> I'm a chemical super freak, actually. And another who's been out of action for 30 years. Show us on the blueprints. I can't. My blueprint was in my head. Fortunately, some things you never forget. But don't worry. It'll all come back to me. From Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide, and Michael Bay, the director of Bad Boys. Welcome to The Rock. We got visitors. Sean Connery. I'm sure you're ready for this. Do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Nicholas Cage. Listen, I'm just a biochemist. I drive a Volvo. Beige one. So what do you say? You cut me some friggin' slack. Ed Harris. Fire. Beautiful. Good trailer. It certainly was a cinematic you know, experience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. So, as always, there will be spoilers when we go through the synopsis, which is being taken on by Wayno tonight. Uh, if you do not want this movie spoiled for you, um, there's a huge, <laughs> any sort of huge I mean, plot, to, twi- plot to be twist, fair, but it's, it's pretty yes. basic. But uh, if you don't want it spoiled for you, please pause the pod, go and watch the movie. Uh, and come back and listen to our scintillating review. Why no? Over to you. But, I, but to be fair, it's been like almost 30 years, people. So yeah. you should have <laughs> That's right, yeah. Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a side note, I have um, just chopped and changed the synopsis slightly just to make it a bit snappier. So we'll mm, start. Thanks. Brigadier General Francis Hummel leads a group of rogue US Force Recon Marines against a weapons depot to steal a stockpile of VX-loaded M55 rockets. Hummel and his men then seize control of Alcatraz Island, taking the tourists and guard hostages. Hummel contacts the FBI and the Pentagon, threatening to launch the rockets against San Francisco unless the US government pays him $100 million from a military slush fund, which he will distribute to his men and the families of recon marines who died on covert missions under his command, but whose deaths were not compensated. The DOD and the FBI develop a plan to retake the island using a US Navy SEAL team. The FBI's top chemical weapons specialist, Goodspeed, and the only inmate ever to escape Alcatraz, John Mason. FBI Director Womack bribes Mason with a pardon, and Mason reluctantly agrees, but Womack subsequently destroys the pardon, unbeknownst to Mason. Mason escapes from his hotel room, briefly, and reunites with his estranged daughter, Jade. The SEAL team successfully infiltrates Alcatraz, but Hummel's men are alerted to their presence and ambush them, where all of the SEALs are killed, leaving only Mason and Goodspeed alive. Mason and Goodspeed eliminate several teams of Marines and disable 12 of the 15 rockets by removing their guidance chips. Hummel threatens to execute a hostage if they do not surrender and return the chips. Mason destroys the chips before surrendering to Hummel to try reasoning with him. 
Goodspeed disables another rocket, but then gets captured. With the SEAL team lost, the backup plan of the DOD is initiated, which is an airstrike of FA-18Cs with thermite plasma, which will neutralise the poison gas, but will also kill everyone on the island. Mason and Goodspeed escape, and Mason explains that he, has, he was a former British SAS captain who was captured after stealing a microfilm containing details of the United States' most closely guarded secrets. Knowing he would be suicided if he, hand, if he returned it, he spent the last 30 years imprisoned without trial for refusing to hand it over. When the ransom time has expired, without the money being paid, Hummel explains the rocket threat was an elaborate buff, bluff, as he had never intended to harm innocent civilians. He declares the mission over and orders the Marines to leave Alcatraz with some hostages and the remaining rocket to cover their retreat, while he will assume the blame. A pair of Marine mercenaries, realising they won't get, be getting paid, mutiny against him. A firefight ensues during which Hummel is killed, but not before telling Goodspeed the location of the last rocket. The mercenaries proceed to, with the plan to fire on San Francisco. Goodspeed seeks out the rocket, while Mason deals with the remaining Marines. As the FA-18s approach, Goodspeed disables the rocket just in time to save everyone on the island from certain death. Goodspeed reports a successful mission with no hostage casualties, but lies that Mason had died. He admits that, to Mason that Womack tore up the pardon and offers him a way off the island and where to find cash in his hotel room. Grateful, Mason reveals the location of the microfilm as he and Goodspeed part ways. Sometime later, Goodspeed and his newly wed pregnant wife Carla hastily drive away from a church in Kansas after having retrieved the microfilm. See. In movie. <laughs> nice and snappy. Mm. So, yeah. What do we think? Well, um, this is, I mean, you know, yeah. Stuff blew up. Mm. Stuff blew up a lot. I think I think the movie sets it up well. <laughs> at the start, we sort of, you know, you get that patriotic moment at the start where you've got Hummel walking down to see his wife's grave and, yeah, you've got American, the American soldiers carrying the American flag and, yeah, scenes of fighting. I think it's just built up well. Good music, Hans Zimmer score. So um, he does well. And then I, <clears throat> I love, I love the chemical the the balls on the. They look like you know necklaces or whatever they are. But I just I uh, love the structure of them, and I just think they look ridiculously mm. cool. Yep, they look cool. The green, mm. you know. Kind of obviously looks like it's got that poison, you know, classic poison. And look, it is a Disney film, um, so they've obviously gone. Let's do our poison gas in green to kind of match the thematically all the green poisonness of Disney animations. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> you've never noticed, you've never noticed that. No, green green is the color of evil in Disney films. Flubber, oh, flubber. Yeah, it's very mm. evil. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, there are some exceptions, I guess. But, um, or magic. Yeah. All right. Jump into our categories. Cast and characters. Who are you going to start with first? What's Should that? We, shall we start with... Uh, well, we start with, with our great man, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. What are your thoughts? I know what were your thoughts of Nick Cage. Uh, I thought... I think Nick Cage is very Nick Cage in this movie. Oh, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> he's, he's not 
your he's and he was never going to be your quintessential lead guy uh, in a in a Michael Bay type film, um, but he adds enough difference. He adds enough of a point of difference uh, to make you think to sort of make you make this one a little bit special, make this one a little bit different. Mm. Um, mm. You've got Sean Connery who's just amazing, but with with good speed there, you really have this very interesting person who's not your typical action guy. He's a chemist. He's a scientist. He, um, like most of us, probably doesn't um, communicate well <laughs> with others. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you throw him into a fish-out-of-water situation and um, – and he suffocates yeah. like fish. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> Flops around a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think his casting was, was excellent and I think he and Connery paired quite well. Mm. They actually won an award. I think it was the MTV Music Awards for Best On-Screen Duo for that year. Oh. So yeah, good call. I wonder how um, his character would be if his his fiance wasn't in San Francisco at the time because it sort of that gave him the motivation to we need to save the city. You know, I've got an unborn child, which he didn't even want a kid at the start of the movie. Mm. Um, and now all of a sudden he's got an unborn child, and it's a big deal that he has to save them. Uh, I don't know. Just putting the what the the fiance there. For it's that's it's so much that actual type of plot film though, isn't it? Like you know, mm. let's make sure these things are you know are at risk. Like you know, it can't just be that we've got a city to save. There's got to be a personal element. It's literally the um, only reason why the women are in the movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, every character was humanized. Yeah. every major character was yeah. humanized. Mm. Even the yeah. villain. Um. Yes, even the villain, except for the two captains. They were they were just and look they they were they were just evil. They were, they were just evil assholes, really, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, they were. Oh, God. Um, but I think this is Nick Cage certainly offered something different as an action star. Like, yeah, the sort of start, he's, he's a bit fumbly and bumbling and all that sort of stuff. Like, he's he's not your, your typical action star. But then as he, as the movie goes on, he sort of starts to learn a little bit more. And, and by the end, he's, he's, you know, belting the crap out of you know, uh, Marines somehow. I don't quite get how that works. Mm. But anyway. Um, well, I mean, he didn't. Like, he did. Get beaten up at the end, but it's even. He just had this orange, this green ball that he shoved in someone. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we'll get to that part. Um, yeah, but I think even too, just the way he he acted, he was so different to what you normally expect. Like, I, I think I wrote down like you know, we get full cage here. Like he Ooh. he goes over the top a lot. He almost overacts at times, but I think that's part of that character, that quirky, different character that we're getting. You know, like he. Hmm. See, I would have thought eighty percent cage. You reckon? Like, there's definitely some flips. Like, you know, um, like you, you know, flips. Like, there's the normal presentation, and then we we flip to like you know, and there was that quote in the intro where he kind of like you know, give me some freaking slack. There's kind of like hmm. it elevates in unusual spots. Yeah. Um, and like you know, even the like he's doing his rant in the prison cell, and then it. Um, then it kind of is like, you know, he's yelling that kind of thing about like, you know, how do you get out of here in the first place? So it's like, I mean, you probably didn't need to yell that, you know, but that's kind of the, that's where there's the 80% cage, but mostly it's kind of, it is delivered normally, but yeah, it flips between, there's weird switches yeah, where he, he has kinda, those peaks, doesn't you know, he? That's, that's, yeah. uh, and I guess coming back to what Wayne was saying about like, you know, being a bit of a social nerd, you know, 
you can go, oh, yeah, maybe that's a thing. Certainly, um, you know, certainly, like, you know, you have um, our neurodivergent people and they they kind of do change their sort of intonation at various times. So That's the thing about uh, Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage is, like, when he speaks, he'll... He'll start a sentence at, at the beginning of the sentence. It's at normal volume, but then by the end, he's shouting all of a sudden. <laughs> mm. It's weird. Um, we'll put, yeah, but maybe, well, maybe that's part of his research, though. Like you know, because you, you recall the Matchstick Men, um, mm. and he really, he really nailed that kind of sort of, um, what was it? The, I don't know the ticks. We well, had the like ACD. That, like, you know, that, yeah. Yeah. Like that was, I thought that was really well done. So I don't know, maybe he's kind of looked into sort of, you know, the cool, um, socially weird scientist, FBI agent. Maybe research that. Sitting moment. on a couch yeah. playing but a then- guitar <laughs> in his underwear is kind of that's as mm. Nick Cage as you're going to get. I think it's that was probably they were just filming behind the, time, the scenes and they just yeah, let's throw yeah. this in. <laughs> Nick's just being yep. Nick. Do you reckon, do you reckon yeah. he's just done that just because he's he's got his body right yeah. for an action film? He's got a little bit buff and he's just gone, boys, I want to show this Yeah, off. come on. <laughs> Send the costume designer away, please. <laughs> is that, your, is that your screen, Taylor Glenn? Glenn's just showing us a picture of that. But, uh, was he was he full nude there? Was he? It's Was that 100% Nick Cage? Sounds close. It's, it's funny, though, when you see this performance, and I know it's obviously different characters, but then you watch him in Con Air, you don't really have that shouting at all. No, he's very, very monotone, very calm, cool, collected. Whereas in this, he's completely different. Which again, different characters. One's a returning, um, was he Army Ranger. Ranger? And this and this guy's mm. yeah, he's a he's a super freak. Mm. Yeah, and a super chemistry freak. Mm. I think actually, and this is we, you know we've we always talk about Nick and we we love this guy. It's the it's the nice thing he can play that sort of you know he plays various different types of leading man. Um, he is not just a, you know, um, action hero. He can play scientist. He can play, you know, um, himself. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, weirdos and all that kind of stuff. Um, academics, um, and he flips, flips around. It's nice. Yeah, he's got a very good range. Mm. And then when you get to face off within he's within the cageism that is him, he's just completely yeah. off the off the rails in that movie. Well, isn't he? Well, I mean, he's two characters though, isn't he? Like, you know, he's kind of yeah. He's like, you know, the is it the bad guy? He's both. Starts with the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's Caster Troy and he's uh Sean oh, Yeah. What's his name? The good guy. Yeah, him and John Travolta, big faces. They they face yeah. off against each other because yeah. they take faces off and then they face off. Yeah. It's what a clever name. It's like that meme that you see and you've got the different faces of Nicolas Cage and you've got like 90, 89 and it's got all the de- him changing and then in 97 it's got John Travolta's face. It's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, mm. Sean Connery. God, that God, that voice is smooth, <laughs> oh, isn't it? Geez. You're just going. It's just like a rich damn. chocolate, that voice. He's just, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a loss to the world when he passed away. Is he? We should have cloned that man. Clone him. Is he dead? Yes. Oh, I didn't know. I'm pretty sure. Well, I think he died during COVID. I think that's like, you know, people kind of didn't know. Hang on. I, I, You're Googling this now, aren't you? I am. I didn't think he died. Oh, yeah. yeah. 2020. 31st oh, of October, 2020. Yeah. Oh. Was, I mean, it was a dumpster fire of a year. And, of course, like, people missed that one. Yeah. Sir Thomas Sean Connery died 31st of October 2020. Yeah. Oh. Probably when you were in lockdown. Oh, that's 
That's really brought this pod down now. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, three years, but anyway. Sorry to break that. I was actually thinking while watching it, I was going, yeah, like it was such a, you know, you get all these other, you know, B-grade celebrities like, you know, this person has died mm. and there was nothing. There was no fanfare. There was no kind of, you know, outpouring of grief that the, the great man had died. It's just like dumpster fire. Sorry, I'm watching that. <laughs> this great man passes on. Without I mean, everyone the- was sitting at home. Why, where was the, where was the, um, the Elton John, you know, changed song. Where was the pageantry of the burying this great human being? And we all could have sat mm, home and watched indeed. it. Mm. Yep. We had nothing yep, better yep, to yep. do. No, that's right. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, Netflix should have yeah. done something. Where was Netflixing? Or the BBC? Maybe the BBC, BBC should have. Yeah. Get a thousand people in kilts, yeah. well spaced apart, and just have a parade for him. Mm. Nothing. But in terms of his performance, like, you know, he's 66 years old. He's still felt believable as an action star. Like, I thought he carried himself well. He seemed to do – I mean, I'm sure that they used a lot of stunt doubles and stuff. But, like, just, you know, the running around and the moving and all that sort of stuff, I thought he was actually um, quite good and held him up, held himself really well. And it felt well, it was only It was only, like, seven years earlier that he was named the world's sexiest man. Oh, well, that's true. So, yeah. He was 66 <laughs> at this stage. so And still sexy. He lost none of his sex appeal. No. no. Beautiful man. So, um, but yeah, it was great. It was a good performance. Like, you know, and I guess, and despite some interesting lines, like, you know, and I think that's around the script, like, you know, I hope you've got your insurance. Like, you know, it's like, I mean, that was some dodgy writing. <laughs> Who cares? Do something. There needs to be a snappy or one liners there, um, writers. Um, yeah, like, you know, he, he, he brings that sort of character of Mason to, you know, to reality, which is good. Yeah. To, well, to life, not reality, because that's, that's here. Hmm. Any other thoughts, Wayne? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he just can't put a bad performance in. He's 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 usually cast uh, for that sort of that role where you know it's it's the voice, it's the gravitas, and mm. he he's just mm. got that in spades. It's overflowing, it's gushing out of him, and um, yeah, as you said, it's a huge <laughs> loss that uh, yeah we've we won't be able to we haven't been able to see that anymore uh, from the great man, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think mean, mm. when you say world sexiest man at fifty nine, whatever he was, um, you know the sex appeal. The sex appeal was always the voice, wasn't it? Mm. That was the voice that women wanted oh, yeah. whispered into their ears, and you know that mm. just didn't go away. He had it here, and uh, uh, I thought he was he was just excellent, just with the wry smiles, and um, I'm sure you guys picked up on it too. But the just the there wasn't too many. There was enough, but not too many references to to Bond. Um, just you know, mm. British intelligence and just a few little hints and tips. Well, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's an internet theory that he is about, James like Bond. you know, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the character is James Bond, um, and like he was captured. Okay, so, um, yeah, and then, and then of course there's you know people that go, no, he's not James Bond. Um, but yeah, it's out there. People think, oh yeah, like it, it works as you know. People have managed to make a continuity mm. about how James Bond was captured and put in prison. I think. But he's SB, he's British SAS, whereas uh, James Bond was in the mm. Navy, I do believe. Yeah, <clears throat> when you okay. say that, um, that uh, when girls want to hear his voice in their whispered in their ear. That's why I keep recordings of Sean Connery on my phone just to play, you know, <laughs> at the right moment. Uh, <laughs> have you ever turned your library? You know what he does say? There's, um, 
there's there's less sexist commentary from uh, from John Mason than there is James Bond. You know, mm. I mean, I guess there's no women really no, except right. for his daughter. So maybe he's just not cracking on anyone. Hello, Minnie Penny. Let's get it on. <laughs> Tell you what, it makes the whole Bond series really boring. The last thirty years after after he got caught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twenty five films yeah. of just Bond sitting in a cell. <laughs> I'll get out of here one day. All right, Ed Harris. Fantastic choice. Well, it's an interesting one. Fantastic choice. Mm. Yeah. Um, for mine, he, he just intensity. born born for it. Um, yeah. He is so disciplined with his delivery. Um, he makes you feel automatically that he's military. He bears mm. himself mm. so well that you immediately think he's military. Um, and his cause, you sympathize with him. Um, there's that aspect yeah. to him. You, you, he's not instantly the bad guy. You've got to question yourself. You know how bad is, do I want to see this guy fail? Do I want to see this guy killed? You know, this is an action movie. I'm pretty sure we're only going to get to one conclusion. Is his cause mm. justified? And you you question that because he delivers that performance so well. In yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Um, and. The there's definitely a like you know a subtext in this film around like you know um, the government leaving their soldiers out to hang out you know to hang out to dry, um, and that comes through all his sort of bits. Yeah, uh, and there's like you know, um, and you you know certainly like you know you get that like you know, we're on is our government not looking after the U.S. soldiers very well? <clears throat> um, then he does the same yeah. to his soldiers. Like no, there's no money yeah. missions over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing yeah. too. Like you talk about the sympathy. You also see it where, I guess, when he when he the bluff is called and he basically says, "No, that's it. I was never going to do it." Again, that sympathy, like you feel for him because he's all he's trying to do is just help out the families of fallen people in you know COVID operations that they're never going to get reparations for it, and that's all he wants. And then he goes, "Well, look, I was never actually going to do anything. I was never going to kill you know a million people." Um, he was, as Mason said, he's he's a soldier. He's not a bad man. So, and, and you know that's part of his problem. Like you know, if you you know in the nineties, uh, the internet was there. Uh, probably could have actually got some hackers. You know, just hacked the account. Could have got the hundred million out easy. Isn't it? In a way different film, and actually done the hot VX gas as a um a diversion. I'm, Look over here while I'm robbing you over here. You say that's a whole different and film. I'm out. pretty sure that's the plot to Swordfish. I love yeah, that film. That's a good film. That's a good film. <laughs> Try and get there one day. Um, yeah. But he's almost too serious, I think, at times in this, Ed Harris. Like, I think in some ways, it, I guess. He's professional. To, to keep, he is very professional. Yeah. And, and in Expecting some ways. Drop I think in a fart keg every now and again. Just to- <laughs> oh, just maybe just ham it up just a little bit. Like. It was almost like he was in a different movie in some ways. Well, it was a, but, but the absence of ham made him the general, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sans ham. There's no ham on his sandwich. No. It's all just white bread. Maybe a bit of, t- bit of cheese. But, um, oh, look, he was. I, I actually really like Ed Harris. I don't Check think one. I've seen him. I don't think he's been bad in any movie that he's been in, so that I can think of. Um, you mean bad as a actor or a bad guy? No, no, bad as an actor. Like, bad like he, yeah. you know, if you see Ed Harris, he's going to be in a film, you know, at least his part's going to be pretty solid. Mm. So. True. So normally, it was great at Snowpiercer. Yeah. So normally, we look at you know there really are three main 
characters than this. Anyone want to pick up anyone else? Uh, oh, um, hang on. Yes. The the guy that played Womack. John Spencer. Um, John I love John Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. I yeah, am a John Spencer been fan. A he's been on a lot. Yeah, tell us about that one. Yeah. Leo McGarry. You, you must a be a West Wing fan. Yeah. Yeah, Cara's a fan of... of uh, of him yeah. as well. Well, Aaron Sorkin <laughs> was actually an uncredited writer on this film, so there's the link with the West Wing. Yeah. John Spencer. There's a we don't do uncredited people in any alpha jumps, do you? Know? <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure there's a lot of um, uncredited writers on this. Quentin film. Tarantino. There's another one. Mm. We've done him recently. Yeah. We have. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I thought he he was good. He sort of played that. Yeah. It's sort of like you almost went against because yeah. he. He kept going against Mason, and we obviously were supporting Mason. This is so. a question I've got for oh, you. Oh, it was a dog. Hmm. Did yep. he. Was he too personally invested in seeing Mason fail? If if Mason had stolen, oh, he, um, you know, all of America's top secrets, and he was the head of the FBI, which he was, director of the FBI, which he is, I don't think it'd be so personal. I think there'd be almost more of a grudging respect. That he was able to do that, but when, mm. when whenever they got together or whenever he spoke, of it, there was a venom in There was a dog he, with a bone. Was a hatred, he? like he just like he wanted to yeah. see, and he wanted to see not just that he was dead. He wanted he wanted to enjoy seeing him dead. You know, um, mm. so I just I I don't know if there's a backstory there that was never really fleshed out. Um, Feels like he's embarrassed him badly or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, you know, mm. done something with his yeah. wife. He shouldn't have, or something. <laughs> the voice, the voice. Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> oh, look, every yeah, every chance, and it is. I mean, we don't. I mean, this movie went for over two hours, which it probably shouldn't have. But um, we probably didn't need any more mm. backstory. But um, yeah, you're right. It did. It was very personal. which seemed weird. Um, mm. I enjoyed Michael Bean. I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah, would have liked to see more of him. Um, who played was it Corp not Commander Corp. Anderson? Commander Anderson. Um, yeah, he was Corporal Hicks in Aliens. Ah, that's where I got the Corporal from. Yeah, yeah he's a, another one that's mm. been in some really good films. He was Ringo, yes. Johnny Ringo. Hmm. So another one that's been in some really good films that I've enjoyed over Ooh, the journey. Terminator. So, yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, he was uh, yeah. John Connor, isn't he? No, Ooh, not John. No, Reese. no, no he was the Cole Reese. Ah, sorry, yeah, it's Reese. He went back to save Sarah Connor, who was the father of John. He Connor. was the father of John Connor. He fathered his best mm. friend. Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, David Morse, like he mm-hmm. was the he made mm-hmm. Tom Baxter. He's a uh, yeah, I like him. He's underrated. I like him. He's, he's done some good work. Films. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you've got William Forsyth, who was Ernest Paxton, as the you know, I, I imagine he was like a the who is a local. Director or something, wasn't he? He was, a he was the San Francisco, yeah, the San Francisco field office guy. Hmm. Um. Yeah. But I guess, like you know, you're getting down to all the sort of bit parts now, and yeah. Well, I suppose some villains though. You've got Tony Todd as Captain Darrow, and Gregory Spoletta as Captain Fry. They were just like they were gunning for like you know mayhem. Oh, were they ever? So, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were good. Let's launch. Very let's able. launch. Why haven't we launched yet? They were too very from the start. <laughs> Yeah, mm. really enjoyed. Uh, yes, they were <clears> that punchable. first shooting of all the um, FBI guys. He really enjoyed it, just, just yeah. smiling and killing all these people, just loving it. Yeah, mm. 
<laughs> killing their, killing marines themselves. It's yeah. just yeah. Yep. All right. That's I mean that's most of the cast. Pretty much for Claire Filani. <laughs> well, that was <laughs> yeah, we, did, we didn't mention the women. She was amazing, we Claire Filani. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> stole the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah, one and of the, one of the Vanessa best. Marcel. Um, I, I mean, like we've we've gone through quite a few. One of my notable aspects um, was just such a great cast. There's so many really good bit part characters that all bring it all together. I mean, you've got three really fantastic people to lead the movie in Connery, Cage, and Harris. But then I think all the people around them just just build this film up even more. Mm. Indeed. Uh, all right, favorite scene. Uh, Gwen, I'll go to you first. Oh no, go to me last because um, I don't have one. I, I couldn't. I couldn't think of one. The whole thing was your favourite. I couldn't think of one. Just say the action <laughs> bit. <laughs> the action bit, yeah. <laughs> the explosion. The guy being shot by a rocket. That was. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> rocket man. Yeah, some of the some of I'll the go. fight bits. I got some, some of the yeah chases were good. Yeah. Yeah. Michael. Mm. Um, so I guess there's um, there's some nice setup parts. Um, we get like you know there's the um, General Francis Hummel's setups, um, but it, it was actually uh, Goodspeed setup in like the chemical lab. Um, that was kind of like you know you've got them like you know suddenly there's this chemical weapon. How they didn't die, I don't know. Like you know that kind yeah. of <laughs> and who doesn't who doesn't test their safety mechanisms on a regular basis? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, you work in science. Like, do you test your like you know chemical showers Absolutely, once often? a week. And you actually stole my favorite yeah. scene. Oh, it's <laughs> all right. We could talk about it together. Um, but yeah, so that was I thought that was really good. Um, and there was always some nice tension with the like you know pulling out the VX gas stuff. Like you know that scene where he kind of says this is the most you know dangerous chemical. Um, give some slack. Um. I did enjoy uh, the actual infiltration part, like the and um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen Galaxy Quest, um, but like it's got this like you know it's it's a it's a homage to fandom of Star Trek and it's a, a great sci-fi comedy, um, but they've got these ridiculous kind of parts of the spaceship and they've got to you know get the timing, and it's the same thing in in the Rock, like you know what did that machine do? Why is there stray fire going underneath this thing? It's not doing any effective heating. It's just going like it, as a machine. It did not make any sense, but it was cool that you had to roll through it. Mm. So, yeah. so that'll come to one of my. Oh, we'll just go to one of my questions now while we're talking about that section. Um, so he to go back in, he had to go. He had to roll under the the fire and time and all that, all that sort of stuff. Well, mm. right. Yet when he come back out to let everyone else in, he just opened the door. Yeah. My God, so why, didn't he so just why open when he was leaving the first time, didn't he just open the door? <laughs> Maybe he had to go back. Like, it, 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 like he, he's like, you know, um, he's gotten through the door. He's like, ah, this is dumb. Why is the door, you know, unlocked with this? And then it's shut behind him. He's like, shit, I forgot my tools. Ah. It's got to go back underneath. Yeah, forgot my swimming I mean, apparatus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot my speedos. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Welcome to the Rock. That was a good scene. I'm just walking through the door. Why not? Yeah, your favourite scene? Yeah, again, uh, the um, the setup scene for Goodspeed in the lab with uh, Marvin Isherwood, played by Todd Luizzo, who we all know and love in High Fidelity, 
Um, he was the other <sighs> the other scientist oh, yeah. in the suit that was complaining about being gassed with a, uh, a poisonous nerve agent um, hmm. for some reason. Hmm. Uh, just take it like a mouse. Well, if he hadn't been playing with the baby. Well, exactly. Like, seriously, mate. Yeah. yeah, don't play with dolls. Like you're obviously in there for a reason. Don't muck around. Exactly, with you. but I think that that <laughs> scene, while it had the comic element, also set up Goodspeed as someone who could be relied on in a in an emergency situation. Mm. Yeah, mm. cool. Yeah, never sure. panic. Yeah, I actually didn't. Oh, that scene was good, except I didn't. I thought it could have been a little bit better because when it was counting down the bomb at the end. And the things can, they cut it at like four seconds. And I thought, why didn't they use those last three seconds to build <laughs> yeah. more tension? You get more dialogue. Just, <laughs> just, Maybe you got mm. bored. I thought it was 14. So just, uh, I guess it, it cuts yeah. three seconds off the movie. It's already a bit long. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe actually, maybe it was actually like, you know, nah, good speed is the shit. Like, you know, he yeah. knows what he's doing. Doesn't need that we'll get yeah. it down the wall. No. That's how good he is. Because yeah. he's a yeah. chemistry super freak. Yeah. Super <laughs> freak. Super freaky. Any others, Wayno? Uh, no, just the action bits. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the rest of the, <laughs> the film. Of the film so yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I love the the shower. I love two scenes, and they're pretty close together. The shower scene where, you know, we see them. Oh, easy, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the same film here. <laughs> yeah. um, where we saw, yeah, they come out, and obviously they're surrounded, and you've got. They basically got no hope of they're up against you know a SEAL team that's on an elevated platform as they say, and, um, but just that moment where Hummel keeps yelling at him to drop your weapons, drop your weapons, and Anderson keeps going back. I can't give that order. I can't. And there's that tension. And then of course that old classic. There's a rock that drops and a sound mm-hmm. gets made, and then all of a sudden all the guns light up, and we see a typical Michael Bay movie where blokes are getting killed often and slow mo's, and yeah, it's quite dramatic. But mm. uh, I just thought it was um, a really well done scene. I have a question for yeah. you. Um, so they they put ex, you know significant resources at the start of the film getting into the um, the bunker um, using non lethal weaponry. Um, why don't the general just go like you know non lethals? You know, mm. let's go to those mm. like you know dark guns. Bang 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 bang, taken care of. <clears throat> Wouldn't have been a bloodbath. General, think about these things, or just gas them. <laughs> <laughs> with non-lethal gas <laughs> not with a VX just knock just him out you know like you know put in a drop in some tear gas and shit you know easy stuff oh Jesus Christ you know they're already mucking around with chemical weapons you know you could dally in the, the shallow end of the pool and then go to the deep end later um, and my other scene that I really liked was the when they're in the morgue we get the good kills. We get the the knife in the throat, and then he he drops mm. the air conditioner on the guy. And there's some uh. good humour. We got a bit of like Nick Cage overacting, yelling out, and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, he can get, um, an get a knife in the throat. No worries, first throw. But then when they start shooting, it's like stormtroopers. Like there's no one's <laughs> oh, no. no one's hitting a target. I do, yeah. But I really enjoy the part where he's trying to he's trying to get the tracking thing out of the. Um, the, tra- the tracking mechanism out of the missile, and you've got the guy's foot that just keeps twitching. And he goes, "Listen, oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been around dead bodies lot, but is that often? Does that happen? That normal? He goes, what the twitching? He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Can you make it stop?" He goes, "What? Do you want me to kill him again?" <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's just, it's silly. It's silly humor, but it's just fun. It and it's what yeah makes this movie work. To um to rob a bit of the trivia later, um apparently, uh 
According to Michael Bay, the script was written much more straight and serious than the final movie. Most of the humorous moments and lines were improvised during filming. So Hmm. I reckon that was in there. Like, you know, is that Twitch thing normal? (laughs) Go the Twitch guy. Like, that was some solid (laughs) acting there. We're going to put this air conditioner on your head and you need to put (laughs) it occasionally. Okay. (laughs) Not too much, though. Not too much. Just Mm. Just a touch. Just to the left leg. Other enjoyable or notable aspects? Ooh, well, I mean, it's hard to, you know, to watch a Michael Bay film and not notice the dramatic slow motion sort of movements. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, it's just, it's, I guess it's part of his auteur, you know, the stuff he brings to it. Um, obviously, like, you know, the soundtrack, the orchestral kind of, you know, emotional moments is, you know, overkill on that. Um, but the, he does a lot of, um movement montages as well like you know when you're kind of like you know getting between a scene there was like you know trucks moving and the camera would always be moving so like he he loves a moving camera like mm. you know that guy does not like you know a camera being still for very long um and you notice it in this yep. film so not that that's really a bad thing it's kind of i suppose it builds his way of you know building that tension certainly that and explosions it's all about the baby yeah Although not necessarily some of the like you know the craziest stuff that he does later like you know, there was the um there wasn't a lot of that sort of shaky cam where it was too so shaky that you couldn't actually tell what was going on. Um, yeah, you do get a bit of that in the car chase scene, mm. and the car chase scene mm. is just ridiculous. Like it's, I was about to say, really need, I just remembered that's that over the top. Doesn't really <laughs> need to be in the movie. There's no real no for it, and I think. He actually mm. has said that he only put that in because the start of the movie was fairly flat. So he goes, well, we need something. We need an action scene in there. So, sorry to steal your trivia, Michael. Yeah. But, if, yeah, so he threw that in. It's not no even reason. If you're filming so, in San Francisco, mm. you need to you need to do a car chase. State and federal yeah. law. You, oh, and you need, yeah. To, yeah, you, and you need to do the jump, the hill jump. You know, it needs to be that hill, yeah. that iconic hill. <laughs> like, how do people? Do, they should have actually just blocked off that hill by now. Surely, like you know, people just, go, <laughs> just I got it, and let's put a tram on it as well. I'm sure that's. <laughs> How many times has that tram been knocked over and decimated in films? But I love the way too. Like it's yeah, you, know, you go oh my god, like they're running into things. There's water. There's explosions. There's everything going on, and then you go, well, what else? How else can we make this more dramatic? I don't know. Let's put some old people walking across the road. <laughs> oh no, hang on. What's more? What's, what's more? What's more, you know, exciting than that? Let's put a whole heap of people on wheelchairs going across the road. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> You're playing was, all the beats here. Let's just keep throwing people it, across the road and hope no one gets hit. Like, it's just... It's borderline comical on, in you know, a number of ways for that reason. Yeah. It's like, what the... It's almost like a parody movie in that sense, in some ways. Mm. All you needed was, like, two guys carrying a big thing of glass and it would have probably topped it off. <laughs> it's like that movie... Did that, we watch a movie... That's in the deleted scene. A while scenes. ago, where they had the the baby in the, uh, the pram, but it was full of bottles and it got hit by at speed. Yeah. Was that speed? Cans. Yeah. That would have been yeah better if it was a baby in there. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> better for the baby. Well, I mean, it already been done in speed, hadn't it? Um, can't do can't do the baby in the pram. Let's do dudes on wheelchairs. I think you wanted the baby in that pram, yes. Glenn, from memory. Yeah, it would have yeah. been much more exciting. <laughs> was it Untouchables? <laughs> had the baby in the pram. Going down the stairs. Yeah, but Untouchables did. Yeah, going down they the did. stairs. Yeah. Yes. Mm. That's a good movie. Ooh, I haven't watched that Another yet. good Sean Connery yeah. film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wino, other notable or enjoyable yeah, aspects? Yeah, one thing I wanted to discuss, boys, was 
the concept of the noble villain. We we went through the eighties, mm. and it was really cut and dry. You had your good guy, you had your bad guy. You know, all those action films yep. of the eighties, there was really no subtlety about it at all. But we started seeing this sort of thing come through a bit later on, and I don't know if this was really one of the first. We could probably go back to you know. Uh, examples in Shakespeare, but in in modern filmmaking, particularly with this genre, this action, paint by numbers action genre, mm. we we really didn't <laughs> see a, a lot <laughs> where the characters had this depth, this subtlety, and this anti-hero type villain that you can kind of sort of empathise with a little bit. Um, yeah with their cause, that sort of thing, and you think, oh, hang on, you know, maybe he's right, maybe they should be, maybe the method of execution isn't correct, but maybe, you know, obviously he's, <laughs> he's you know, he's doing it for a good reason, you know, and that nuanced villain character really um, was something I, I found refreshing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, in a lot of ways, I guess at the end of the day, he's not the villain, is it? Is he? It's the, it's the other crazy... Captain, yes, the, the ideal. Well, it's the government. Yeah, well, you could say the government is in some well, ways yeah. the villain. Yeah. In, in well, when you look, it, it's hard though because while you're watching it, and before you know that it's a it's a bluff, you know, you're watching it, and he's threatening to launch these things, and it's a lot of people. And I'm watching it, thinking, "Gosh, this guy's, you know, this is up. He's up there with Hitler. If he does this, he's mm-hmm. in history with like Hitler and really bad, you know, evil people." But um, yeah. that's before it was a bluff, but. At the same time, he's doing it for a reason that makes sense, sort of. Um, yeah. So it's like this is a wrong way to do it, but yeah, you can see where he's coming from and what he's trying to get. But um, and well, the he does say, thing, "I've tried, I've tried." Yeah. The, and the, the mm. thing about the this is one of my questions: if you're gonna, if it's all a bluff, why did he actually load the chemicals in the missiles? Like, if it's a bluff. You're not actually going to kill anyone. You could have just, yeah, you stole the chemicals or whatever, but just go put them somewhere else and pretend they're in the rockets to shoot. I don't know. Mm. The fact that he set it up. that's where the guidance mm. chips are. That was. Because that's what you do. You stick the guidance chips in the middle of the actual chemical weapons. <laughs> Nothing bad has ever come from that. It's a good, it's um, a good point, though, Glenn. There's. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was never going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Unless he changed his Why mind. Why can't you fake it? Um. I just, you know, I googled some stuff. Uh, Roy Batty from um, Blade Runner. Basically, the uh, the main villain is only desires not to. I'd recently watched it. Um, only desired not to die, and he's because he's a basically an android replicant kind of thing, and uh, and he'll basically he'll break down if nothing happens, and um, yeah. So he's just kind of trying to prevent his life, you know, from ending, um, and yet he is hunted. I've never seen Blade Runner, so no spoilers. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Thanos. Is he was the other one I was thinking. He was the yeah the touchstone mm. that I was sort of driving to. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, Scott, you wouldn't have seen. No, this, I've got no idea who you're talking about. This is all Mummy. This is the whole thing. But um, as <laughs> we'll just mention a Harry Potter character in the same deal. <laughs> Essentially, he has a like, and it's a a real issue in the sense that we um, uh, you know, we have close to eight billion people on the planet now, and we're always increasing our population, but our resources are finite. Um, so how do you keep producing, you know, for a, you know, producing enough resources to keep growing and or, you know, feeding the world, um, on a finite planet? And there's lots of kind of, um, you know, sites and environmental campaigns that say, you know, you are, you know, people in the Western world are using three and a half Earths, um, 
Uh, whereas like you know third world people are actually using like you know a point two of an earth something like that so you know it's an unbalanced sort of thing so what happens if the rest of the world catches up well we, we're gonna you know something's gonna go wrong um so his uh campaign is all about sort of make, sorting that out for the universe i don't want to spoil that anymore for you scott yeah okay be fun. we're actually pretty safe well let's let's i thought you were oh, yeah. actually su- i thought you were suggesting that hummel should have actually launched and then it would have saved us wipe out a million people and then it's better for resources well that would certainly kind of work you know if thanos would have well, done it thanos he actually if, if thanos had have clicked his fingers let's just put it this way the drive-through line at kfc would be a lot shorter that's how important this <laughs> is mm. just to put into yep. perspective you know what the outcome of his decisions were and why you can you know mm. tie yourself to that course Hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but there's a few out there like that are kind of um, movie villains that were right. Um, yeah, but they always and they always presented that sort of moral kind of challenge to the audience, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, so you don't get them enough. Yep. Glenn. Yes. Any other notable aspects? Oh, I just had my favourite thing that which we've already said. It was. My most favourite notable aspect is just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it always comes back to the It does. Love that guy. Um, and That's I agree all. with Michael. It was, it was shot well. There's some really great action sequences, which you always get with the Michael Bay. Yeah, you get oh. a lot of unnecessary explosions and slow-mos and everything else. And, yeah, I don't know. He just does it well. I love the planes under the Golden Gate Bridge too. They just look. That looked pretty cool. The other, notable, um, the other notable aspect, yeah, Michael Bay, this is when he was watchable. Like, he, he did make some good films <laughs> early on, but he, he became really bad later. So this is actually one of the, you know, good early Michael Bay. And my other notable aspect was the, maybe this is a question. Anyway, the, the president who's ordering the Air Force strike if he didn't make a whole big speech to like one guy in the room who's not even didn't even care, this is his whole big speech, and then he authorizes it. But if he authorized it straight away, it, it, Nick, it wouldn't have got the flares out in time, and it would have been all over. Yeah, good point. Well, I mean, this is the point. It only just got it ready. Um, the I think another note last, but we probably like you know we've missed out on um, is the fact that there's no real CGI in it. It's all kind of in camera. Effects. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of pretty cool. Mm. Um, oh, and the the and, blood you know, I, also was like, it's like literally tomato sauce or something. It looked, it did not look like was, real blood. <laughs> it was very. I was going to say, I thought like you know, the, I thought they actually, yeah, I was, was going to say they actually, you know, they bled those people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably it's all squib stuff, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was like you know all that sort of actual effects and things blowing up and. Yep. Um, that's always nice, you know, to see the, I think like particularly, you know, you noticed it in the chase. I mean, not necessarily noticed the effects in the chase, but like, you know, um, when he knocks down the power pole and then it's got all the kind of spark coming up and you're going, yeah, there's some hardcore effects mm. right there. This probably wouldn't actually happen, but you know, woo effects, <laughs> things blowing up. Um, cause fire is actually doing fire well and like explosions is actually, you know, it's one of those things that can not come across well on on uh, CGI. Mm. So if you do it wrong. Yeah, it can look really fake. Yeah. Yep. So but it looks real in the rock because it is real. 
Anything else, anyone? Just the VX. No. Uh, we kept VX. talking. We keep hearing about the VX gas. Uh, VX, as we all know, is not that volatile, so it's much more dangerous as a liquid. And it is actually what Kim Jong Nam was assassinated with when those two ladies Ooh. at the airport gagged him with a uh, handkerchief. Had it was laced with VX. Wow. Oh, there you it's go. Nerve agent. Damn. There we go. Chemistry lesson. You think the Russians would use it? Wow. Yeah, I love chemistry. <laughs> um, you think that? I mean, the Russians have used so many other kind of like the you know the Nova the Nova check. Yeah, like you know, maybe they should have just stuck with yeah. VX. Would have been they should way more effective. <laughs> maybe they should try being <laughs> why, nice. Why, why, why are you trying to promote chemical warfare? <laughs> I'm just saying that they've got a lot of failures. Send like your correspondence too. You know? <laughs> oh, sitting there going, um, you know what? This Hummel, he's, he's onto something. <laughs> <laughs> I like the cut of his jib. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm actually looking at the chemical formula for VX now. It's, uh, it's not that it's not no, that complicated it's really not. As, a, like, as a molecule. Oh, well, you're going to get us yeah. arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and now starting to talk stop, about recipes. Stop bringing bomb making mm. lessons on our podcast. Uh, here's an here's an. If I start thing. getting followed tomorrow, uh, Michael, I tell you what, I'm going to be really angry. If I see a black like a black sedan or something behind me all day, all day I'm going to get really angry. <laughs> because of its low volatility, VX persists in the environments where it's dispersed. It can actually be like they they you know they dropped a, a rocket into the, the um into the ocean into the bay. I reckon they fucked up some stuff. Well, I did. Something died. I did. I, I, it was one of my questions that I didn't write it down, but it was something I was thinking about going, wouldn't, wouldn't that do some damage <laughs> in the ocean? Like, <laughs> just wiped out a whole you know, fish colony or something like that. Yeah, and then people eat the seafood and. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, it's also odorless and tasteless. Uh, oh, well, at least the bloke that swallowed it wouldn't have had a bad taste in there. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff's and- terrible. <laughs> That's why I didn't spit it out. Um, like, mm, it's too bad. <laughs> now, here's a here's an inaccuracy. It's amber coloured liquid. Mm. Um so yeah, they've definitely di- they did Disney fight it, I guess, mm. you know, with the green. Mm. You're all right with like, that. You know, amber's boring. Green. Mm. All right. Questions, yeah. queries, tidbits. <clears throat> uh who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go. Go, Gwen. Maybe Wayne can answer this. I don't know. But at the start, when they take the cockroaches into the chamber where they're testing the gas or whatever, mm-hmm. I was just, why would they take cockroaches? Because they're like one of the strongest. They can survive almost anything. Wouldn't you take something that's a bit more uh, going to be affected by a weapon or gas or whatever? Like cockroaches can survive apparently all sorts of stuff. So they're not really a good indicator if something is... Um, not not insect repellent. No. <laughs> yeah, insect repellent is probably not good. I think, mm. I, this is me just throwing this out there, but I would imagine because cockroaches are known to be so difficult to kill that it's being used as a metaphor uh, for how bad this gas is. Like we only deal, yeah. we don't deal Ooh. with canary in the cage type, you know, a little bit of lack of oxygen here or there. We deal with the hard, heavy stuff. And if it mm-hmm. kills a cockroach, get out of the room. Mm. And Peter probably, or Peter probably don't care about cockroaches. Well, that's right, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to throw it out. All the cockroaches um, were excellent too, by the way. First yeah. class. Great yeah, actor. they really acted, the, acted their part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so in that in that same scene, um, corrosive, like you know, sort of gas. I mean, that's the actual corrosiveness is like you know, it'd be interesting. It's probably not actually it's not an acid or something, but it'll be something that could dissolve the plastic. But it would have meant that the suits would have deteriorated at some point. Like you know, it could have, it should have got in. They should be dead. Am I wrong? Yeah. Like, you know, because Nick Cage it, just, he's I standing don't... over it, it's blowing in his face the whole yeah, time. Yeah, no. It does their gloves, but nothing else. Mm. It's a nerve agent, so a proper bio suit I... should be okay. It is more potent than yeah. something it... like sarin, but mm. I don't think it'd penetrate a proper hazmat suit, which you would expect the FBI to have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they obviously had something else in there. But, like, you know, if it was exposed to another chemical, wouldn't mm. it kind of just degrade the... Wouldn't it you know, it'd react? Mm. You've got your proton donors. It's nice having another yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> Any well, other questions, Glenn? Um, do they really lock you up when you go on a tour? I've never been... I, I didn't... Did you go when you were there, Scott? To the? I did, yeah. Did they lock uh, you in the cell, like, as part of the tour? Is like a, hey, check this out. This is what it was I, like. I don't remember... Being locked in, no. But yeah. this was a while. I mean, I only went a few years ago. This is, yeah, this is going on nearly thirty years ago. So maybe they did back then. They probably they stopped locking them out from about nineteen ninety six. I would say. Yeah. yeah after this, uh, yeah. after after this situation happened, mm. they were like, "Oh, let's not give anyone ideas." <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Speaking of age, how is all that shit underneath Alcatraz still functioning? Well, that's why is yeah, why are they still running? <laughs> Why do they need that generator or whatever yeah. it was? Why? Yeah, that, yeah. that whole yeah. track with the thing on it. What, what, what? Is that even there? Is that real? Cara's no, gone. Was not. that a mine? It's, it's not there. <laughs> um, no. Sorry, oh, spoiler alert. The set design was pretty. Well, good. I didn't get to go. Yeah. So yeah. So. Well, you don't. It's know a ride. Maybe it's a ride now, and they can just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they say they kept the prisoners um, entertained. They kept giving them rides every day. Temple of Doom ride from. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Certainly some of those non-cell parts of, like, you know, the sets, were they were pretty good. I like that, you know, the underground tunnels and look, they look good. Oh, it looked like, cool as hell, wow. but, mm. yeah, mm. not part of Alcatraz. This is another, I mean, another question. Um, this one's from early in the movie where he, um, she, the girlfriend, fiancé, says she's pregnant and, and Nicolas Cage basically responds with, come to San Francisco and we'll order champagne. And now, if you're pregnant, I thought, <laughs> I thought I uh, thought champagne was something you'd avoid. I don't know. Maybe the nineties are different, but <clears throat> um, well, back in the nineties, you probably lit one up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my last question is: if they're keeping the whole this whole situation from the media, um, surely the media would be reporting uh, and onto something when all. All the tours to Alcatraz are, are suddenly cancelled. Like these tours are running every day, all the time, and all of a sudden mm. they're all cancelled. The media would be like asking <clears throat> questions. There'd be some sort of yeah, news other, like, reporters, uh, yeah, all over it. But no, just don't tell the media, and it seems to work fine for them. Yes, these days you just say something like COVID. <laughs> Shut the whole place down. <laughs> Wayne, any questions? Not really. I um I approached this film with sort of eyes wide open and it is what it is. It's a Michael Bay film. Um yep. Bay. And <laughs> let's 
have a healthy dose of suspension of disbelief. Oh, I know, right? Isn't it? It's like you—it's always got to overdose on suspension of disbelief. Right. Isn't it nice that um, in, in these movies, when they shoot a rocket towards a populated city, there always happens to be a football game yes. happening? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because it looks like it's the middle of the day. Like, yeah. <laughs> once it's oh, on no, a weekend. football ground, it's headed to the football. Hmm. <laughs> Again, building the tension. What's you know? What could be riskier? The football. My God, love my, my Saturday football's in trouble. Not sports. Well, the Naked Gun used that same tension with baseball. Yes, they, they built that yes. same suspense. Yep. <laughs> I think that rocket should have you know launched faster when he was like you know when it was aimed at the Rocket Man. Like that kind of seemed slow. Mm. Yeah, he really could have should just have actually just out of the way. Yeah, it should have gone through him. Like, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's I what I mean. I, I think it should actually like hit him way quicker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the the actual kind of the actual fence post did more damage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> classic, conditioning. classic impaling. Another Disney one there, right there, like falling and dying. There's a couple of those. Oh, how did the like you know they were using non lethal force, but they kicked the guy out of the window at yeah. the start of the film. How did yeah. he not die? Break his neck. All but one person died. Yeah, I love all but you know, everyone survived except for one guy who fell out a window. Yeah, guys, we're going to use non-lethal yeah. force. We're going to shoot guys at the stop at the, at the at the top of stairs and watch them fall all the way down. But they're all right; they'll be fine. Yeah. They'll be fine. Seriously injured? Just brush it Snow off. Snowflakes out of windows, and yeah, it's just yes, yeah. So no questions, why no? No, none from me. No, Michael. Time for the trivia. No, no, I've got a. One qu- couple of questions. The first one, oh, okay. uh, probably I'm a little bit woke of me, but the gay hairstylist, it's mm. we're a little wrong. Cliche. We're a little wrong there's these 90s. days. Absolutely. Uh, we talked about why the flame burst still going and that there's no change. Like, I mean, <laughs> over 30 years, apparently it still goes exactly the same. Um, so my one big question, and look, oh, there's probably two. First of all, surely one of Hummel's men would have got shot in the shower scene. Like, you've got... Navy SEALs at the top and at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. So these guys are obviously good at what they do. So surely one of Humble's men would have been hit, but I don't think any of them do. Like I know they've got the higher ground and everything like that, but surely one would have got hit. A ricochet, unlucky. Mm. Yeah, it's fairly chaotic. But my big mm. one, now we see a ball, one of the, one of the, you know, the, the green balls of VX gas roll along a floor hit a wall, yep. and it opens. And that's how the first guy yeah. dies. Right? Yet yep. Goodspeed manages to run with one in his hand, dive through a window, yep. land on the ground. <laughs> yes, I think he puts it in his pocket at one stage and he's wrestling <laughs> yep. and fighting someone. No issues. No. <laughs> so no whether they, the other one was just a little defective, but I think it's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, that they had v, that little kind of sphere of VX gas had plot yeah, armor must to, have. to the wide zoom, as did the Afridin or whatever the like you know the injecting your yeah yeah that thing that you inject in your inject in your heart but kind of actually kind of more like your um liver yeah yes. how low was, it was that bit, <laughs> that was nowhere near his heart a little bit a little bit lower than probably what it should have been that's why he got up so quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> so all right Michael trivia. Trivia. Okay. Uh, Sir Sean Connery insisted the producers build a cabin for him on Alcatraz as he didn't want to travel from the mainland to the island every day. He got what he asked for. Um, nice. The premiere of the movie was held in the prison recreation yard on Alcatraz. Uh, while filming, Alcatraz was still open to the public and many visitors watched the movie being shot. Ooh, shot on location. I thought they actually would have done a lot more on set. 
Um, however, in December 15, 1995, the federal government, which owns Alcatraz, partially shut it down due to stalled budget talks and filming continued with no visitors present. Uh, it's Michael Bay's favourite movie of his own. Mm. I know he absolutely would watch the hell out of his, wouldn't he? Some of the Navy SEALs in this movie were played by real Navy SEALs. Oh. Tarantino, as Wayne said, was an uncredited screenwriter in the movie, along with Jonathan Hensley, who wrote the shooting script, and Aaron Sorkin. Uh, much of Nicolas Cage's dialogue was ad-libbed, including the Zeus's butthole line, <laughs> which Michael Bay wanted to cut, but Cage insisted on having. Ah, oh, jeez, Michael Bay. Bit yeah, of a no, take that. Uh, Michael Bean, who, was, uh, who has played Navy SEALs in some variation thereof on multiple occasions, apparently grew, up unsh- uh, grew unsure of himself while acting for the first time here against real SEALs. He told Michael Bay he was freezing up, pretending to be the leader in front of them, as well as Sir Sean Connery's presence. Uh, stage fright. Um, ooh. Bay's idea for the sequel involves a now-married God- Goodspeed in possession of the microfilm evidence who finds himself pursued by the government with no else to turn is forced to ask Mason for help. Well, not anymore. No. <laughs> um, that would be... I would have watched that before, movie, just quietly. Did, did, yeah. did, did, did that last well, scene seem set up for a sequel? It did to me. A little bit, yeah. Why would you have it? Yeah. 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 And why would you just go back look at yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I got a little yeah. uh, sort of Raising Arizona vibes off it too. With exactly. the, uh, as well. with the of, Hawaiian yeah. shirt, it's a little, it's it's a little bit of a mismatch in terms exactly. of the whole film, isn't it? That's why I it's thought known. this has been yeah. set up for a sequel. Yeah, uh, reportedly Sean Connery accepted the part of Mason after learning that Nicolas Cage had been cast at Goodspeed. There oh. you go, our man Nick. Hey, um, it was an old thing. Ed Harris, yeah, Ed Harris could not stop laughing at the actor playing the tour guide at Alcatraz. <laughs> I just had the giggles that day. <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> Uh, it was Nick Cage's idea that his character would not swear. His euphemisms include "gee whiz" and "Zeus's butthole." Um, two more. Nick Cage's Nick Cage was concerned that he looked a little Japanese, a little like a little Japanese schoolboy in his scuba gear, while the other actors looked all looked cool. Michael Bay admits he intentionally uh, making him look ridiculous, which he did. Um, there's a major logic flaw in the movie, said Michael Bay. Where are the boiler workers on the rock when this island hasn't been used for years? He answers his own question saying, screw it, it's entertaining, don't you think? Mm. I don't yeah. think that's the only plot issue, but it's probably <laughs> enough. Ed Harris is still not happy with Michael Bay's occasional preference for tight shots while he's acting with his entire body. It easy used a lot of entire, tight shots, didn't mm. he? It was like tight, wide, tight, wide, tight, wide. Zeus's butthole. <laughs> um, yeah, and that is all. There was I did hear another bit of trivia where um, Michael Bay wanted more money, and the studio execs were unsure and didn't really want to give it. And it so he took hostages. Yeah, No, so he was just about to go to the meeting, and he was worried that it wouldn't happen. And he ran into Sean Connery. He was about to go and play golf, and he said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Oh, I'm going to go to this meeting." So Sean Connery went along with him, and basically they walked in and. Um, he goes, I need more money. And they're going, ah. And Sean Connery's basically just, no, I think you should give it to him. So they did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So again, mm. the power. It's a voice. That's all it is. About the Sean. Just hand it over. <laughs> all right. Fight time for our final what? thoughts and ratings. Uh, obviously, mm. we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic film. Zero being a terrible film. And five being somewhere in between. Wayne, I'll, I'll leave you to last because you did pick this movie. Uh, Michael, I'll start with you. Um, 
this this is a quintessential Bayhem film. Like, you know, the kind of um, the way he gets his people to move the camera and he cuts and that kind of move between dramatic slow motion and high octane action um, is so very him. Um, probably the, you know, and like Glenn ended it earlier, like him at his, you know, almost his best. Um, and yeah, like, you know, you couple that with, you know, Nick Cage and Sean Connery. Uh, it's a fun action film. There's, you know, it hints at kind of, you know, trying to be clever than it actually is. But, um, you know, it is a popcorn sort of, mm. you know, festival of action and shooting and, and that sort of stuff. Um, it probably could have been a bit shorter. Mm. You know, you could have cut the whole, um, uh, the whole daughter yeah. thing. <laughs> Gotten straight into it. Um, we don't need an actually um, uh, personal, you know, reasons. Um but it's fun, and you know, kind of funny, a bit odd, and a good watch. I'm going to go uh, a Scotty special of seven. Nice, Glenn. Um, I'd say this was really good in 1996, um, back when Michael Bay made watchable films, and I was I was surprised that it mostly held up as well. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was a bit long, could have been shorter, but it still did. Um, even though it was a bit long, it did have good sequences that, yeah, kept me engaged throughout the movie and had a lot of good one-liners, which was nice. Um, my score is 6.5 out of 10. Nice. Uh, I see your 6.5, Glenn, and I agree with it. Um, <laughs> this is a, a great bad film. So when I, when I say bad film, it's not a bad film, but it's... It's not a good film either. Like it's it's your classic '90s action film. It's fun. It's entertaining. You can sit down and watch it. It is, for me. It probably should have been under two hours. And I know I always bang on about that, but this is the sort of thing a pop horror movie really should be. It should have been a lot punchier in different spots. They probably fattened it out a little bit when they didn't need to. But it's just mm. a, an entertaining watch. And I watched it again last night. I've watched this movie a heap of times, and it. It entertained me each time, but let's be honest, it's it's not a masterpiece. It is one of Michael Bay's best films, but that's not necessarily necessarily <laughs> a great thing either. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's oh, a six and a half again. Six and a half. I know. Yeah, for me, and I've probably alluded to this throughout the pod, but for what this movie is, I think it's an excellent example of it. Um, yep. It's it's never going to be. Um, you know, Schindler's List or anything like that. It's a paint-by-numbers action movie, but it's done extremely well. All all the parts are there, and they've been done well. So it was well-written. It had believable characters. Um, all the characters had been humanised uh, in some way. They were well-established. Um, I thought it was shot really well. Um, you know, with even the wide shots of Alcatraz was done from a helicopter. So there was still that sense of urgency with the with the chopper blade. So you still felt that pretty much all the way through the movie. There was always something, you know, in the just pushing the movie along. Um, I don't think this movie will ever appear on too many people's lists of all-time favourite film. But where it does succeed is simply as a smart, fun, action-filled couple of hours. And for that reason, I go seven and a half, please, Scott. Mm. No worries. Oh, summary. 
All right, so with a two times six and a half, a seven and a seven and a half, that gives a score of 27.5. Out of 40. Out of 40. Mm. Yeah, which I think is probably about right. Like I think, yeah, I think we're all, all our scores are pretty similar and I think we all sort of thought the same thing. It's a good fun action film but it's hardly a masterpiece but you don't watch this film for it to be a masterpiece. I haven't watched so. this film since it first came out till oh, really? just yeah today and last night I watched it. Um so it's been a long time and it's it holds up for me like I'm surprised mm. I didn't watch it more like throughout the last whatever how many years it's been. It, it's not that it's not it is fun. Hmm. Um yeah, and I think that's I a fair, that's that's a fair score I think we've given. <clears throat> yeah. It's a movie that if it's on TV and you're flicking and you stop, although Michael you don't, I know you don't watch normal TV but I know no. I do like if I'm flicking I'll and it comes on, I'll probably happily sit there and watch it for 10, 15 minutes if a, if a good action se- sequence is coming up. Well, so. here you go, people. I own it on Blu-ray, and that's what I watched. Ah, there so, you go. <laughs> screw you all. <laughs> hey, Glenn, just on Michael Bay, when do you reckon it went? It fell over for him? So he did Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon. So three, I think, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty handy films. Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah, that wasn't great. Bad Boys 2, though. Bad Boys 2 that was, was good. a really good film. Uh, then he went The Island. Transformers. That's where uh, that's where that's where it went bad. Like the island well, was the no, island was good, um, and Transformers. That's when it started. Nah, Transformers are right. Transform the second Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. That's actually got one of these lower then scores. We've got Transformers, the- Dark of the Moon, Pain and Gain, Transformers, Age of Ex- I didn't realize there were so many Transformers. There's what one, two, five, five of them. <sighs> Although he did do well, Six Underground, which I thought was a good film a few years ago. I stopped after the first Transformers. I haven't seen anything he's done since then. I watched the second one and probably the third, but I haven't watched Age of Extinction in the last night. Yeah. And there's another one, I think. I don't know if he did it. Yeah, I think there's five. Mm. Well, he's done five in total. Uh, all right. So, obviously, socials, uh, we can be found, obviously, at our website, cinematicleap.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. At uh, Cinematic Leap is our handle. I know it's called X now, but I'm still calling it Twitter. Um, and on Facebook, just search for Cinematic Leap. Obviously, we do ask that you rate and review our podcast and share it with your friends so we can find more audience. Uh, and obviously, we're found on all your major podcast platforms, as you'd know, because you're listening to it now. All oh, right, yeah. Michael, it's now time for our... Cinematic Loop. All right, so with guests, we do it a little different. So they get mm. to choose the movie and then the leap up, but they do it sort of ass about. So... We gave Wayno the, the, the leaper to choose from, so he gets to pick his movie and then he gets to choose the leaper for the next person. So, Wayne, right. with this film, who are you choosing as your leaper? Well, did any of you guys notice during the initial phases of the chase scene through San Francisco, we we heard... The theme from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, did any of you hear no, that? It's there. No, I urge you to go back and watch it. The the motif, the musical motif from Pirates of the Caribbean, is in this film, and yeah, Hans go. Zimmer was responsible for both. Yeah. So do you know? I've never seen. I've never seen it. Pirates. I haven't seen any of the Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know why. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> 
Because you're rewatching <laughs> Die Hard and you're rewatching. Yeah, exactly. Everything. You only watch Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that and I keep watching The Rock. But anyway, that's uh, yeah. So let's sleep with Hans Zimmer. Ooh, Hans Zimmer, nice. I don't think we have. Have we looked with Hans Zimmer before? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm. No. Hmm. And there's a body of there work. Is there is a body so, of work. Indeed. There's a lot of different directions you can go here. And Ooh, so we can't an announce our, uh, the, the film today uh, because it'll be our next guest will choose a Hans Zimmer film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you what, some big ones there. And like, you know, there's, um, you know, like all the Pirates films Mission Impossible 2, mm-hmm. Rain Man, um, Face Off. Something different. Face Off, uh, Muppet Treasure Island, <laughs> Broken Arrow. Oh, true romance. That's a good film. That is. Mm-hmm. That was a fun film. Um, uh, Auschwitz. Oof, that'd be. That's a school producer. Um, the Lion King. Yeah. I imagine the the new oh, one. Days of Thunder. Uh, anyway, Days of we'll Thunder. leave that up to uh, our next guest to uh, to pick that movie. Why no? It's a fantastic leaper. So well done. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. How have you found your uh, your first? Time on here. We might have to get you back. Loved it. You're loved right. it. Absolutely loved it. Always love catching up with you guys and love talking movies. So, you know, two birds. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty fun. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Well, thank you, Wayne. We really do appreciate you coming on as a, as a guest and, our, and as our first guest. Uh, so we do very much appreciate your time. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, thank you to all the listeners and enjoy. And so yeah, so this is a bonus pod. So we'll have to when we find our next guest, we'll uh, we'll put one up. But um, we're not sure when that'll be. Uh, but we will put it out on Twitter to see if we can find anyone who wants to be another guest. Uh, we've got a few ideas and a few names, so we'll see how we go with that. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, listen to us next time. Thanks. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.